Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today I've got my friend Parker Fails of Beaver, Utah on the line. Parker, how you doing? Doing great, Jay. Uh, appreciate you having me on here. It's a great, uh, great day when I get to sit down and visit with you. Yeah, for sure. I always enjoy chatting with you. The last time I saw you, I believe, was at the Western Hunting Expo, uh, Conservation Expo. I saw you there with Clay and and uh, a couple of your buddies as well, and it was good to see you and get to chat. It's always fun um, getting the energy vibe off you. You got a good youthful energy that's uh, always good for for me to kind of recharge my battery. So that was fun to get to chat with you. Yeah, thanks. It was great to see you up there as well. That's a fun show, and uh, we enjoy going up there and meeting up with new new friends and old ones every year. So it was great to be up there and see you. Yeah, for sure. Today we're going to talk about Arizona mule deer, specifically on the Arizona Strip. Uh, you run around with Clay Bundy there of Clay Bundy Outfitters, and there's a lot to talk about with that and your love for mule deer. But before we get into that, a little bit of a background on yourself. I first remember talking to you, I believe in 2016, I had drawn that beaver elk tag and you, uh, you know, raining from beaver utah i should say um we kind of had some chats back and forth and uh, i was with my buddy tony lyle there on on the beaver and just had an unbelievable hunt but that's kind of first where i started talking to you i believe and then we've kind of built a friendship from there and love talking deer and i see you every year up at the western hunting expo and so it's um i haven't had you on the podcast but i'm looking forward to it for the listeners out there that don't know you um, talk a little bit about growing up in Beaver, Utah and, and how growing up in Beaver, you know, kind of made the love for hunting shine. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Um, you know, Beaver is just a, it's a really small town here in Southern Utah. Um, and I'd say we probably have 4,000 residents here. So not, not real big at all. Um, and just one of those good, good small town America places where, uh, where hunting runs deep in our roots and in our heritage. Uh, you know, it, it started with me as a young kid. That was kind of, you know, they let school out every year here in Utah to go on the deer hunt. So it's like a holiday from school, you know, and uh, started out young with my dad and my grandpas and uncles. Um, and, you know, back then in Utah, it was a little easier to draw a tag. Um, you could draw, you know, a general unit tag about every year. So every, you know, growing up about every year, I had a tag as a, as a young boy. So that, that love for, for hunting deer and specifically mule deer, that's really where that, where that came in. Um, Parker, what do you, what do you see there with the beaver itself? Um, you know, with the big burn that they had as far as the mule deer, you know, pre-burn and post-burn, what would you say is going on there with the deer herd specifically in beaver? You know what, uh, right now, really, you know, a lot of us locals talk about it right now, the beaver unit, it is hurting, um, quality, um, they, you know, they just recently did a fawn study. We had one of the most, the lowest spawn survival rates in the state, along with body condition, fat percentage in the state, for whatever reason that is, um, the, and so the beaver unit right now, as far as deer goes, it's it's hurting it's hurting quite a bit um of course it gets a lot of pressure they they did this year uh, a few more lion tags and opened up opened up on a quota um which should help and they actually they actually cut the tags on the unit by i think 900 tags or so so i'm we're hoping we're hoping to see that maybe turn around a little bit you know granted there are still a few big deer around 
Um, and guys get those every year, some great hunters here, some locals. Um, but overall, the, the unit is hurting. You know, I would think with the fire, I mean, of course the elk have exploded. I would have thought the mule deer, but it sounds like probably a little bit too much pressure probably didn't allow those deer to expand and, and really p- proliferate as much as maybe they would if they would have maybe cut the tags back a little bit. Yes, you're exactly right, Jay. The elk the elk have done well. Um, beaver's always been been known for its for its great elk herds. Um, and, w- you know, one time it was deer. But uh, that slowly declined, and, and you're exactly right. Um, I know we're going to talk about, uh, you know, your passion for mule deer and hanging out with Clay Bundy, but I also know that you've spent a bunch of time with another just great ambassador for the sport of hunting and just humanity and Randy Johnson, uh, another uh, beaver, not beaver Utah, but in the unit of beaver. I think he's from Marysville over the hill from you. Um, yeah. getting to spend quite a bit of time with Randy, um, looking at sheep over the years. And it, I have, I believe that firmly, you know, your influence, uh, of, of two of the guys that I know with Randy and Clay have, you know, kind of molded you and shaped you into the guy that you are, but talk a little bit about getting to hang out with Randy. Absolutely. Jay, you couldn't be any more right. Um, I've been very fortunate to, uh, to have, to have both Clay and Randy, you know, kind of, kind of bring me up and raise me in the hunting, hunting industry and, uh, you know, in guiding and outfitting, um, man, I don't think I could have picked two better guys to do that with just, uh, you know, incredible hunters. Um, you know, I consider both, you know, legends in their own, in their own feet, but along with that, they're even better people. And that, that's the thing that stands out the most to me is, uh, Children with great people, and in a world and an industry where I feel like that's getting harder to find, um, I've been very blessed and very grateful for the opportunity to run around with Randy and to, uh, I mean, just what a wealth of knowledge. You know, he's seen everything, been everywhere, um, and just being able to listen to him and learn from him and watch him and, you know, step in his footsteps in the sand. It's it's been remarkable and been a been a dream come true for me. So uh, just couldn't be more grateful for that. Yeah, you know, one of the things I always admire about Randy is, you know, he, he deals with a lot of the same public land hunting and issues and stuff that, you know, all of us guides and outfitters do, but he always seems to rise above and he just doesn't seem to ever wallow in, in some of that negativity that kind of comes with the territory of, of you know, being around uh, successful hunters and egos and, you know, big animals and such. So, um, yeah, what a great... Um, couple of mentors you have speaking of that um arizona strip has basically just burned a hole in your heart and you've you i i know from talking to you so much you've just got a true passion for the arizona strip talk a little bit about how that kind of started yeah you bet jay um you know growing up hunting deer here talking you know where the beaver beaver unit is i mean great deer but i've always always wanted to get to that next level you know um, and, uh, and man, I, I grew up like, probably like a lot of people, you know, dirty faced little kid watching really crazy videos with, with Ryan and all that back in the day, going through the pages of the, you know, the old hunting fools and really crazy magazine and all those just, just dreaming and, you know, salivating over the big deer down there. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's, it really caught my interest there. Um, you know, and after, after high school and, and a, I uh, moved down to uh, St. George, 
down to St. George, Utah to attend Dixie State University to further my education. Um, uh, met my wife down there, was married, and it was like probably my second year of school, I believe. Um, you know, I had a couple uncles who were just real passionate about mule deer, just like me, and that rubbed off on me. They had spent a little time when, you know, before I was even old enough to remember, they'd spent a little time down there just running around wanting to see some of the big bucks, you know, late in the year in November, try to watch them, you know, in the middle of the rut. Um, and so, you know, they knew they knew the area a little bit, knew a few areas. So, you know, being in St. George and having the Arizona Strip and right there in the back in my backyard, uh, I reached out to them and they gave me a few places. Hey, go, you know, go check this out. Um, it's a good area. Saw some big deer there, you know, years ago. Um, so I, I did, I took out one day after school, taking, you know, going to see what I could find and I get out there on a point and, uh, and I roll up and there's a truck right there and outside of it, there's four or five guys out on their tripods glass and, and, uh, you know, typically I don't and still this day, I don't know why I did, but I pulled over that day and stopped and, uh, you know, I got out and there was clay it was clay and he was he was glassing he says you know who are you what are you doing out here and just you know got to talk in and got to know each other i i had actually found a deer out there that was a i mean he was a big deer it was like a probably a 230 deer um i was trying to pick up his sheds and the place says, what deer are you looking for and i says well what deer what deer are you looking for? You know, <laughs> you played in the cat and mouse game with yeah, one of the with one of the best. <laughs> exactly, and you know, I I knew all along that you know if I have this deer, Clay's known this deer for five years. You know, right? Because Bundy was no stranger to me. Uh, followed him growing up. Was always a you know a hero to me growing up and a, somebody I admired. And so I I showed him the picture and he said, "Well, that's a deer I'm looking for. Next time you ride out, why don't you just get in with me?" <laughs> and uh, Man, that's where it started, and ever since then, we have just just built a relationship, uh, just a great working relationship, but even a better personal relationship. He's he's become another father figure for me. Um, you know, I go to to him for advice, and just just what a great guy to uh, to be able to rub shoulders with and learn from and spend time with. For sure. So that's how it started. Um... So I've got a question already. So did you guys end up finding that deer together and getting them corralled and getting some more photos of them or, or you know, what happened? That's the funny part. Neither of us did. Another guy picked <laughs> them up <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it clay, clay named that buck, the Parker buck. So he named that buck after me after that. And man, we searched and searched and scoured that place and we never did turn them up, but the other guy did. Just, just a sweet set, and was really happy for the guy. So, so Parker, then you ended up graduating from Dixie State, and um, you live in Beaver, which is a couple hours away from the Arizona Strip now. Um, so that kind of started you getting out there on the Strip and pounding around, and and did you very quickly then just start running with clay and and going out and just learning the strip and kind of running it together is that kind of how it went yep yep exactly that uh you know after that that winter that that fall that winter um you know that next summer i really started running around with him hard um and just you know trying to suck up and learn everything i could and and he had taken me on to come out and help on their hunts um and uh 
I, you know, that first hunt, I, I want to say it was 20, 2015, uh, Clay's brother, Bill, his older brother, Bill, he actually drew his own strip tag. And, uh, and I, you know, I was signed with helping on that one and was able to, uh, to pick the buck up and help him get in on it. Bill got the buck killed and it was a two, you know, just a great deer, 215 deer, just a, just a stud. And, uh, you know, from there, that's kind of where I made my stamp right there, you know, and, uh, with, you know, that's brought us to where we are that now that, that next summer, um, when school is out, I clay, as you, as you know, Jay, he said before he works for the game of fish in Arizona, um, making catchments, wildlife catchments. Um, so I spent that next summer working for him, helping him build wildlife catchments in the 116 degree weather. Wow. <laughs> I butt kicked and, uh, learned how to work from Clay Bundy cause he doesn't take it easy on you. <laughs> Yeah, and now he's, he had a young guy with him that was uh, with a strong back. He probably put you right to work, didn't he? Exactly right. Yep, I got a, I got all the heavy lifting. He'll he'll tell you otherwise, but he said, uh, "All right, kid, you want to look at big deer? Before we do that, you got to work your knuckles into the ground here." Exactly. Yep, that was kind of my uh, moment of truth to prove myself to him, and I I guess I passed because I'm still with him. So. <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting how these things work out, and you know, something as treasured as the Arizona Strip, um, I would think from a third party, um, just you know, I know Clay well, but it, it it would seem like anybody would be a little bit reluctant, maybe, to bring on a stranger, a you know, a young guy, um, and it, I think it says a lot for Clay and the fact that you know he trusted you enough. He, he, his initial impression of you was to trust you enough that, you know, you were going to be someone that was going to be loyal to him. And, um, you know, I think it says a lot for both of you. Um, but what are your thoughts of that? And did you have any thoughts, you know, when all of it was going down of, is this guy really going to trust me? Like, like I know he should. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Um, you know, there at the beginning, you know, I, I always tease him that he, he's kind of playing hard to get, you know, <laughs> I was, I was always bugging him and, and, uh, you know, Clay's the older generation and he, uh, he, he's not checking social media 24 seven, always on his, on his phone. But he, uh, you know, at first I think it, it was, he, he Clay's been, you know, burnt before like many other outfitters, you know, sure. um, uh, in the industry and with, with the people and the way they are today, it, it happens. Um, and he, and so, you know, with having those previous experiences, you know, I can't blame anybody or him with, with having a little bit of nervousness about it. Right. Um, and, and typically, you know, I don't, it was just weird. It was just like we came into each other's lives at the right time. Um, and it was just one of those uncanny things where it just, it just clicked, you know, um, it's like, like I'd known this guy my whole life and he felt, you know, the same thing about me and. And man, it, it, it just worked out where, where lots of times it, it, it doesn't. And, uh, and I was just grateful that this time it did, you know. That's fantastic. Let's get back to building these um, water catchments. Um, so, I mean, from, from point A to point B, you've, you've basically seen how they're built and you've built them from, you know, zero to, zero to 100, so to speak. You, you know how to completely build and how the whole process works. You know what? I know how it works, but I, I wouldn't, I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot I of work. Tell you it works, and, but it would take, 
it would take a job that takes clay a week. It would take me probably two months to complete that job. So I, I'm nowhere qualified to, uh, to be doing it. I was just kind of the grunt, but I, I was able to see, you know, how, what goes into it and what it takes to build one. So, so yeah, I know what happens from the, from the ground up. Explain to the listeners that maybe are not familiar with the catchments as far as how prevalent they are out on the Arizona Strip and how important they are on the Strip. Man, out out there, I mean, they're everything. Um, you know, there, there's there's a few dirt tanks, um, but those, man, those are not reliable just because on, you know, years where you don't, the, we rely on the monsoons to fill those dirt tanks. Um, and there's lots of years where those come late or they don't come at all. And uh, for the wildlife, I mean, not just for deer, you know, all, all the wildlife use them, birds, I mean, everything to to have those man it's just it's just absolutely incredible and it's been neat for me to see um you know i could brag on arizona a little bit they do such a good job um taking care of their wildlife where they're they're going in and 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 doing these projects and and putting money on the ground that that the sportsmen give them through through auction tags and you know raffles and uh man they turn that they turn that money right back around to put into these these catchments and uh you know these these catchments are built with a with a tin apron um with a with basically a gutter down on the end and they're you know they're on a slope so that that rain hits the uh the tin and goes into the gutter and it fills there's there's three tanks underneath um i think they're i think they're each thousand gallon tanks they're underneath and they fill those and then that then there's a you know a float valve that then fills the trough and so about all year long you know after one storm about all year long you can rely on those to be full of water and to uh, be able to su- support wildlife all across the strip and you know even have them down south of the ditch down there so so in 13a and 13b i'm um, not looking for exact numbers but what would you speculate as far as you know drinkers on the Arizona Strip, I mean, are we talking? Is there you know forty or fifty, or is there you know a hundred? And I, it's got to be hit. It's got to be right around a hundred. I mean, if I, I was to send you a picture of my Onyx right now with all <laughs> the marks on there, there there's got to be you know there's got to be pretty. It's got to be pushing that hundred mark, if if not more. Um, and, and you know, play probably has a lot better idea on that. But. And these trick tanks, I mean. Have you seen situations where because of creating the availability of water, has it actually allowed deer to live out in habitat that maybe they wouldn't because they have to move for water? I mean, have you seen specific cases where, you know, deer specifically stay in certain areas because of that water? Absolutely, Jay. I would say I see that more often than not. Um, There's vast areas in, in more in 13a but even in 13b that you know i would and that's it's no man's land um and you know when these tank these dirt tanks don't have water in it i mean it just it can't support life in the middle of summer you know july august when it's you know 100 degrees and over um the these trick tanks these catchments are absolutely just a saving grace for these animals to be able to continue and thrive in the areas where where that's best suited for them you know and they're also fenced off from cattle right correct yep they're built with like a it's almost like a wrought iron uh fence and they're they they have you know the game of fish has certain uh 
you know, codes you have to go by to build these. Um, and the fence is shorter. And uh, so that, you know, the deer can jump over easier. And of course, it's the new ones, some of the old ones still have barbed wire around them. The new ones do not. So that, you know, fawns and, and other wildlife can slip through without being caught. I mean, just, just, they, they put everything in mind for wildlife when they, when they build these. It's really neat. Your everyday life out there on the strip this time of year, I know you were just out there running around, um, you know, putting up trail cameras, checking feed conditions and stuff. Um, how, how has your, I guess, your time out there kind of evolved since when you first started going out there? I mean, do you have a full rhythm that you get into, you and Clay both? Um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, it's really evolved um, from when I started, you know, uh, just like you said, my, my passion and my burning, burning desire for that place has just, just grown to a, to a battle level that can't be controlled. <laughs> so, uh, so I, and my wife, my wife will tell you that. <laughs> but, uh, clinical. It's a clinical yeah. mess. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, we have a, you know, we kind of have a schedule we go by every year. Um, you know, starting about a month ago, we start, Man, you start cleaning up cameras, uh, brushing the dust off them, you know, and uh, pulling all the, you know, at, at the end of the day, pull all the, the batteries out so that you don't, you know, get the mess inside of them. Um, or so we're, you know, it's it it starts it starts real early. Um, pull, putting cards in, programming cameras, you know, new cameras are ordered, batteries are ordered, locks are ordered, SD cards are ordered, you know, just. Uh, it, it's a, it's a big process each year, um, preparing for the next one. Um, a lot of behind the scenes work that, that probably isn't thought about unless, you know, of course, of course you're doing it and there's a, a lot of guys that are. Um, and, uh, so we just got done with that process and we are now in the process of, uh, of driving around and getting the cameras out, driving lots of miles, beating trucks and blowing tires getting cameras out, checking dirt tanks for which ones are full, which ones are dry, um, you know, getting those catchments that you know have water, getting them set. Um, and we're just, yep, we're right now in the schedule is the process of getting all those out. And then, uh, you know, come come the end of June, 1st of July, um, that's where we really get serious about, about climbing up on the knobs, um, getting some of these deer that are either on camera or some of those deer that we're missing getting eyes on those deer um and that's that's something we that we take you know very seriously is you know and you've seen it jay in your hunting career that some of these animals on camera can be so deceiving um and so you know for us it's key when you're dealing with just a matter of inches on a deer for some guy it's key to get eyes on that deer and even more so uh to get video of that deer you know with phone scope and uh some of these digiscoping adapters that have made that possible, man, that's just, that's changed the, changed the game tremendously where you can take that home and judge that animal, you know, for a week or, you know, and, and sit down and really pick them apart. Um, and that's part of the process that's, that's really important to us and probably the process we enjoy the most, you know, getting out and filming deer in the summer and in the velvet, spending time up on knobs. That's, that's kind of our favorite time of year for us. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what do you typically notice when you get a deer on camera, when you actually see them in person on the Arizona Strip? Do the cameras shrink them or do the cameras make them look bigger? 
You know what, Jay? I, I've seen both. Um, and just in my short time, I've seen both. Uh, typically, typically, it seems like they shrink um, more than more than the other. You mean um, the cameras shrink them, or they look bigger when you see them in person? They, the, the cameras shrink shrink them. That they okay. look they look smaller in a trail cam picture because typically you're getting these deer at, at night. Um, you know, they're they're coming in and watering at night. And depending on the angle of the camera, you know, that's something you have to think about too. Um, you know, if that camera's up higher, higher than the deer, the deer looks smaller. Um, you know, if the camera's low, kind of low shooting up at the deer, he, he looks bigger. Um, and that's, and that's stuff you have to, you have to take into consideration when you're trying to judge a buck. Um, so there's, you know, we've been presently, uh, pleasantly surprised on a few deer, a few deer where we've, uh, where we've got eyes on them and know that we've significantly, you know, underestimated them. Um, but we've had deer the other way too, where, where we've got a, and it seems to be more of a daytime picture, you know, and it's a close picture. If they're right up by the camera, you're like, Oof, you know, and then, and then you get eyes on the deer and you're just, man, gosh, dang it. He's, he's not quite what I thought he was. So it, it's just interesting depending on, depending on the, uh, you know, what, what time of year it is, uh, daytime, nighttime, the quality of picture, all that, all that gets taken in trying to, uh, to judge these deer. For sure. All right. So you've been out there pounding around, putting cameras out. Um, what's it look like out there? Both units. Um, you know what the, the feed out there right now that, and, uh, you know, I got, I got, I got a few pictures, you know, when I was out there last week, the feed just, man, it looks, it looks phenomenal. The, the cliff rose is blooming right now. Um, it is, and it's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, you know, the, the cliff rose, you know, clay likes to, and he's, he showed me, you know, you grab a piece of that cliff rose and squeeze it. And that cliff rose kind of has a, a grease to it. Um, and it's kind of, you know, kind of a sticky grease and, uh, man, when you're pulling it off right now, that, that cliff rose, it isn't dry. It's lush and, and, uh, healthy and it's just greasy. And, you know, clay, clay always claims with that when cliff rose is like that, that's when, uh, that's when, that's what makes big bucks. Um, and so that as far as feed goes, it's looking really good. Um, it is dry, um, right now out there, lots of, lots of dirt tanks that typically have water or dry just where we have not gotten, we haven't gotten any monsoons and those monsoons, you know, we're, we're not off schedule on that. Um, the difference last year, we did get a lot of moisture in May last year. Um, you know, I was thinking back, I think about this time last year, we actually got a little skip of snow up on 13 a and, uh, and just a little bit different this year. It's hot out there this week. And, uh, just haven't got that May moisture that that we got last year. But do, do you uh, think overall, that's going to make a difference in antler growth, or do you think it's still too early to tell? You know, I, I am concerned with it a little bit. I'm concerned. I'm concerned, anyways, because 2019 was so great. It's just, it's how do you, you know, how do you top that? Um, right. But but at the same time. As far as you know, percentages go, we are we're, we're still on track with last year. Um, we were we you know we got a, we got more spring moisture out there this year than we got last year. Um, so we are I think we're about right on track. We're not behind at all with uh, as far as percentages go. I'm just you know I'm I'm a little concerned with time the timeliness of it. Um, I'd like to see some 
some main moisture as you know of course we all would but i i still think we're okay and i i mean it's not going to be a down year for sure it's going to be it's going to be an incredible year to to have a tag i mean what's the forecast i know here in colorado we've been getting afternoon showers and i know arizona i think uh down by phoenix got a shower a night or two ago um what is the forecast out there for the next 10 days is there any sign of precip at all um when i was looking this morning um i can actually pull it up as we speak for mount trumbull um you know for the 10 day it's not showing anything um but with that it didn't show anything this weekend and i it looked like there was a small storm that rolled through right there by colorado city which is on the you know the northern end right there at 13a um, so some of those some of those storms just pop up, but right now, as far as the as the ten get ten day goes, it's it doesn't show any chance of precipitation. All right, let's talk. I want to shift gears a little bit here and talk about um, getting to work with Clay Bundy and getting to know him. Um, maybe some of the tricks of the trade if you will or some of the tendencies that you've seen you know over the years him portray throughout the year what makes him a good deer hunter yeah you bet uh and where to start (laughs) um you know what uh one of the biggest things and i'd spent a, a fair amount of time glassing um but not not to the extent that we that i that i do now and that that I've learned um, and that I've adopted from Clay. Um, you know, Clay, he, he really is a, he's a tremendous glasser. He's, um, he's been brought up by some great glassers that taught him. Um, you know, he spent, he's spent a lot of days glassing with good friend, Greg Krogh, who's uh, just a tremendous glasser and has that reputation. And, and Clay is just, he's very observant um, on everything. Just, just the finest details um, and so he, you know, I always give him crap that I'm a better glasser than him, but, uh, but in reality, just to poke him in the side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and you know, it's a lot of fun. We have, we have a lot of friendly competitions and, uh, you know, he might disagree, but I think I've, I've won the majority. We'll sit down and say five, you know, $5 says I find him first. And, uh, he, he just blames it on young guys. Yeah. That's so, what I would you say. Young guys, you know, so, uh, but, but Clay, um, you know, just, and, and Jay, just like you've talked a lot about and, you know, and I've learned a lot from you too, following over the years is, you know, glassing off a tripod, uh, staying, keeping a low center of gravity to the ground. Um, you know, not, a, you know, not extending those legs and that, that center post, you know, staying low down where the wind can't affect, you don't get a lot of vibration in the glass. Um, using, using quality gear, quality equipment, you know, um, most of the summer we live, you know, behind your Oski 15s and, and, uh, you know, a quality tripod head. And, and, you know, and that's something Clay taught me is, you know, I was, when I, you know, I was young and getting into the good glass, he said, well, that good glass isn't anything without a quality tripod. And, uh, you know, he couldn't be any more right when he, when he told me that. Um, and that's one piece of his arsenal that, that, that he's taught me a lot of, um, you know, and, and, what about, thinking over- Parker, what about um, 
the fact that he's, you know, running cows and out there all the time. I mean, how is it when you go run with them or when he tells you, hey, go up and check this, that, or the other? Are you, do you, when you first started, were you like, huh? I, where, where yeah. is that on the map or something? And he's like, what do you mean on the map? It's up there by so and so's old pasture, da da da. And you're just like, dude, fill me in here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you hit it right on the head there. Um, I give him crap every year. So Clay, come on, just buy an Onyx so you can share a point with me and show me what you're trying to tell me. Because he's saying, no, you know, this this little hole right here by this tree. And it's just like, you know, the, the guy's got a, a memory like an elephant. He just, he doesn't, I mean, he, he cannot go down a road for, for 15 years and he knows right where that road turns off and you hang at this tree. And, and so, you know, it's, it's been frustrating and fun for me at the same time to try to uh to try to learn what he's talking about and after lots of hours of uh driving around and google earth and on x you know uh i've been able to been able to pick up and now now i can work out a little bit easier when he's trying to tell me something i can figure out what he what he's talking about um but he just he just has uh so much knowledge you know from like you said he i mean he's literally out there just about every day um throughout the year, whether he's doing a wildlife catchment, whether he's building a cattle catchment for another rancher, um, which is, you know, a, a catchment made for just for cows specifically, which wildlife use as well. Um, and then he's, you know, he's running his own cows. Um, and then with that, when it comes around, around the cameras and, and glassing, he's just, uh, he's just darting all over the place. And so through the, through so many years of doing that, man he's just he's picked up on you know places where they like to cross and and where he where he's seen a deer here or there you know and and it's just it's just remarkable to uh to watch that and, and learn from him on that as far as knowing the strip very well compared to maybe say other uh people that maybe just you know spend a you know a little bit of time here or there a month or something up there per year and and running around I mean, can you think of specific deer that you guys killed because Clay knew how to get around and what those deer were going to do? I mean, having that, you know, that firsthand knowledge of what, you know, how to get from point A to point B, number one, but number two, you know, that deer's going to head this way. He's going to go into that draw. You need to cut, you know, you need to be over here. As far as that, has that been something that's amazed you? Absolutely. Um, You know, there's been, there's been deer that, you know, and even more so in the last couple of years, there's been some deer in some areas that he, he really enjoys, um, that he's really been brought up hunting in with his dad. Um, you know, and, uh, he's hunted numerous big deer, you know, giant deer, mega deer in there over the years. Um, and he, man, I, I can't imagine not having it. He's got that, he's hunted deer in there and there's, you know, there's been a mistake or, or something that, that a certain deer he's hunted in that same area has made. Um, and he's able to use that on a deer today, you know, um, you know, there's a buck, he hunted years of Marley. Marley did this. He hit here. He liked to bed here, um, feed on this ridge. Um, you know, this deer's doing, you know, living in a similar area. And you're able to flip that and use that, you know, on a deer that we're hunting today. Just, you know, that the knowledge just compounds on itself and uh, and just builds on itself each year. It's happened for me just in my short time out there. And I, you know, I don't 
I'm just a, a greenie and learning. Um, and there's lots of people that know better than me, but Clay is, he's able to, uh, just the knowledge he's been able to compound from, from when he started years ago. Um, it, it's fun to watch and learn from. Definitely shorten your learning curve as well. Yes, exactly. Let's talk about um, following deer, you know, specific deer, maybe not giant deer, but, you know, deer that you've been watching and then all of a sudden, boom, they blow up and, you know, having that inventory and pain, you know, having the boots on the ground and just the love of, of following those deer and, and, you know, what Clay's taught you with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's something that's actually, that's become really fun for me and, and big for me is, you know, before, um, before I was just looking at the end, I just wanted the big buck. Um, I just wanted to see the big buck, follow the big buck. Um, and something Clay really gets excited about. He's talked to you a little bit about before and, um, something I've caught on is his love for, uh, potential in young deer. Um, and that's one thing Clay is, man, he's so good at, he's just, he, he's got a mem you know, a trap in his memory and he'll see a young deer that, you know, he's, he's, uh, doesn't quite have the mass yet. He's got great eye guards, great frame, you know, great G2s, um, maybe a little kicker just looks like he's going to explode one day and Clay will remember that buck and he will just, he will go back every year for a young deer, just, just priming and, uh, and prepping prepping a deer you know and i can think of one deer for example um the deer was actually killed this year with one of the statewide tags uh you know it was a young deer on the it was on the uh, rifle hunt we're coming up the road and you know that little baby face buck is is standing right in the road and you know he's he's probably uh, just close to a 200 inch deer with all of his extras and uh you know the hunter was on his way up and and it was it was it was a tough year too i mean we were we were having a hard time trying to turn up some big deer that we were after and uh and this is a buck you know we had on camera and uh you know we got to look at each other and clay looked at me and i'll never forget he yells out the window stay alive grow up you know <laughs> as we drove off and that buck was was able to stay alive for a couple more years and, and reached his potential. And, uh, I, you know, even then I couldn't, I couldn't see what he was going to become. Um, but, but clay did. Um, and that's, that's just something that, uh, I've tried to, I've tried to learn from and, and pick up on and, and some, you know, some guys just have it more than others. Um, and, uh, I'm hoping, you know, hoping I get him to spend enough time with him and I have enough time in it that, that I could, I can do that as good as he can. Um, but there's, yeah, there's, you know, just deer that, that you're after each year and you might not catch up to them that year, but just persistence and staying on them, um, following them from when they're babies and just, just waiting for them to, uh, blow up and, and hit that prime age where they where they really turn into something special um it, it's a lot of fun i want to take just a second here and i want to thank the sponsors of the podcast uh, i want to thank gohunt.com insider i want to remind you guys it's application season uh we've got arizona due here june 9th uh go hunt insider is the best western hunting resource out there if you're not a go hunt insider member you're going to get a 50 dollars go hunt gear shop gift card just for signing up 
uh, go to gohunt.com forward slash J Scott. Uh, sign up. I also want to thank Go Hunt, the optics department. My friend Cody Nelson, I call him the glassing guru. He is the optics authority. He's the optics manager at gohunt.com. If you guys are looking for any binoculars, optics, uh, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, tripods, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also call him on his cell phone or text him at 602-399-3699. I want to thank Cody for all the work that he does for the J. Scott Outdoors listeners. I want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the J. Scott 20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Kuyu just announced the new Velo pattern. Uh, Parker, I know you like wearing Kuyu. The new Velo pattern is pretty sweet. I think it's going to be a neat uh, pattern out there on the Arizona Strip. Go to Kuyu, that's K-U-I-U.com to find out more. You can also order all of the gear directly off the website. They're a direct-to-consumer model. Uh, also, onxmaps.com, use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 20% discount uh, on all orders. And I want to thank the sponsors. They make it uh, possible for me to spend the time I do on this podcast. I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for supporting them. Uh, Parker, I want to talk, uh, shift gears a little bit here. I want to talk about uh, each unit specifically, uh, 13A and 13B. Let's um, give me a kind of an overview of 13A. Uh, and then we'll do the same thing with 13B, you know, whether it be terrain or geography, um, you know, size, density of deer, whatever. Just give me the spiel on A compared to B. Yeah. Um, you know, 13A, um, you know, it's, it, it's located, you know, it's, it's the most Eastern unit there. Um, it, it runs, it's bordered by, you know, Kanab Creek there. Um, then you, you meet the Grand Canyon National Park boundary. Um, it comes down and bounces down what's called called the uh, the Hurricane Rim, um, where it runs runs north and south. Um, you know, just a a, a big old unit, um, giant giant landmass. Uh, but the it you know you thirteen a what happens with it is there's there's not as much habitat for deer speaking in thirteen a as as it's you know it's rival 13b um there's there's a lot of just open sage um flat flat land just more more antelope country than maybe you would find in um in 13b um you know basically it you know elevations just a a little higher um not much though i mean you find you know you're finding the same the same vegetation um the, you know, and, and trees and everything that you find that you find on 13, on 13 B. Um, and then, uh, you know, 13 a, it, you know, it, it seems it's with that, you know, that happens is the deer densities are spread out a little bit more. Um, and, and as well as there's just a little bit lower, lower density on 13 a than there is, than there is on 13 B just because 13 a doesn't have the, uh, you know, the, the environment for the deer to, uh, to, to sustain a herd like 13 B does. And which is a lot of a reason, you know, it's kind of a reason some people are a little bit gun shy about 13 a, um, 
you know, and you and I have talked a little bit, Jay, that, you know, it can understand that, but lots of times that, lots of times that's not wise either. You know, 13A is, uh, and it's, you know, I always tell people 13A has just as big of deer as 13B, just maybe not as many of them. Um, and so, yeah. So one of the things that I keep hearing about 13A is the fact that it does border the Grand Canyon National Park. And so you do have some deer, if the rut were to kick in, that, that would potentially cross out of the park, come looking for does. And that's kind of the unknown variable with hunting 13A is you never know what might, you know, make a circle and get on the wrong side of the fence at the wrong time. Um, without that park there, do you think that a would be as good as it is? Um, you know what I, I do that, you know, the, the interesting thing about the park is, is it, it supplies a with some big deer, but also it saves a lot of big deer too. Um, you know, those, those deer know where that line is. Um, you know, and over the years, Clay's hunted a lot of deer there. And in my time, we've hunted deer over there and, and those deer, when they get pressured, they will, uh, they'll feel that pressure and they'll jump, they'll jump right back into the park. Um, and what really brings those deer out of the park is, is when, um, when it starts drying up, um, when it starts getting hot and drying up, there's, there's some water in the park and, uh, you know, on the rocks and stuff in there. When that water starts drying up, they have to come out because there's more dirt tanks and, and sources of water out of the park so that yeah, that's really what brings those deer in 13a out of the park um and it does bring a lot of surprises and and fun bucks and supplies it with some great deer but just like i said it, it saves quite a few every year as well now tell me about b um 13b is uh you know it it, it starts right there right out of st george um of course you know shares meets the boundary right there down the hurricane rim with uh with 13a um and then you know goes clear you can run clear over to the nevada border hit the line there um and then again you know he hit the line there on the edge of the edge of the grand canyon um to the south uh just a, a giant giant daunting uh daunting unit that literally there can be a deer in, in any inch of it and that's what you know, that, that's what makes it so daunting, but so appealing as well for hunters uh, that know, you know, with that, there's there's more deer, there's a larger deer density, um, and with that, there tends to be, you know, more big deer, um, and so that's why, you know, they give, they give more tags on 13B than they do on 13A to compensate for those densities and, and the, the resident deer that are there. Um, you know, really good in, in both of them. You know, you can get around really well in a, in a vehicle. You know, you can get about anywhere you need to. And then, you know, when they're, you have to, you know, you can do some on foot, but you can you can get across very good access across both units. Um, but but probably even more so across across thirteen B. Parker, give the listeners when you say a big piece of real estate. Um, I remember one time driving from the north end of B going to the south end and I want to say it was like 80 or 90 miles maybe I'm maybe you can correct me but it was a long 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 ways no you're you're exactly right you're exactly right if you get you know you get out on the end of uh and you can go even further 
but to where where we're really concentrating hunting deer um you know where the deer density start are the most and they start dropping off um you know you get you're about yeah it's about 90 miles from that south end and then heading straight back you know headed back north to the to that end it's it's a it's a big long stretch it's all it's all on dirt road and uh and it it, it eats a lot of tires <laughs> yeah for sure okay so 13a 13b 13b's got deer kind of spread out throughout more habitat in 13b it's also why there's quite a bit more tags um when you're talking the archery hunt specifically so just talking archery um talk about a versus b and the positives and negatives of both and or why you know is b better or is a actually a better archery hunt talk about that yeah yeah and um you know i me and clay and you know the rest of the guys the rest of our team have uh you know we've gone back and forth on this uh you know i feel like that that gap between 13a and 13b is closed a little bit more on that archery hunt um and the reason being there's a lot of there's a lot of deer that summer up on 13a and then as that as that feed dries out and and the uh you know the weather turns cold and they they start thinking about you know breeding and that rut comes on those those deer will drop off from 13a onto 13b um and so you know in the in the summer there's some some deer up there that that won't be there later uh, so there's, there's more deer up there in the summer. Um, and I mean, 13A is just on the archery is a fabulous hunt. We've, you know, we, it's just a ball to, to go on that hunt. Um, you know, you're on, you, you're basically on big deer every day. Um, you're seeing deer. Um, and so I, I do feel like that, that archery hunt on it, the gap is separated between 13A and 13B. Now on the rifle, you you give the nod to B year in and year out just because of more deer, more big deer, more habitat. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's what tends to happen. And you know, Clay and he, he gets a lot of calls where where that's the case with people, and you know they're they're going thirteen B only, and whether they're resident or non-resident, and you know to me that doesn't always make sense um, because I mean there's still some some great deer, some big deer on, uh, on 13A. And it just, man, it makes it such a tough, tough choice. There, there's fewer tags on 13A. Yes, there's fewer deer. Um, the, you know, the mega deer, the biggest deer, you, you know how it is, Jace, where it's so competitive. There's going to be several outfits, outfits on that deer. Um, but there are deer that are, that live in some of this antelope country, that live in some of this, uh, this lower bent, uh, densely populated areas that you you can get on big deer and and you can you know have those deer to yourself virtually the people that send me a message and say i'm thinking about doing the strip and i i'm going to do it myself what is your just initial not because you're an outfitter but just from what you know what is your initial thought when you hear that whether it be archery or rifle what's your thoughts um you know, I'm, I'm broke, but I'd be getting a loan for a guide fee, <laughs> either <laughs> trying to make it happen. Um, it's just, man, it, it, it happens. There's people, there is, you know, there is a, a handful of people that will come up and go themselves and, uh, 
and, and kill a big deer and it can happen and it will happen but the you know the odds of hunting the strip and uh and killing you know what everybody's after up there are already low enough and man i feel like you just cut those in half or or even you know in three quarters when you decide to go unguided uh it's just there i mean so much information and so many eyes you know guys on hills and and the information on cameras and just years and, and they've got years of information you know that they know this deer does that that you may not know because you haven't been up there so but you got the tag this year but they've got an edge on you um and so i just feel like i just feel like you, you really get your money's worth i know i know it's not possible for for everybody and that that just that's just fine and you know you can go up there with your family and just have a, a heck of a time and hunt after a big buck and you may get one or you may get you know one that's a little lesser but you had a great hunt and i respect the heck out of that too but it's uh man it that would be that would be you know that would scare me that'd be daunting if i was to pull that tag and to think of riding up there with and just going in blind i, I can't imagine you know yeah uh Let's talk about specific deer, um, some of your favorite deer, um, either that you harvested or didn't harvest, just deer that jump out at you. Give us some examples of, of over the last five years or so of deer that just, um, you know, tugged at yeah. your heart. Yeah. Um, you know, one deer that, that came on the scene about the same time I did, and I, you know, so I, I've really taken to and uh, is a buck we called slow mo. Um, it's actually a deer that we were able to harvest this year on 13A on the rifle hunt. Um, you know that deer in in twenty in about 2016 he popped on this on the screen on trail cam, and uh, again just a young deer, but you could see you could see what was coming. Um, so, you know, the following year we hunted for him and he, he lived, lived in a, in a pretty tough place. It's just, you know, tough to get, tough to get a deer down in there. Um, and you know, the next year we never could turn him up, couldn't kill him. Um, and then the drought year, which was interesting, you know, where the drought year of 2018, um, slow-mo really blew up, which is odd, you know, for, for a drought year. So he got um, bigger. Yes. So was um, he one of the one, like one of the few that actually got bigger? So it kind of blew yeah. your mind. Yes, exactly. Um, and and why is that? You know, I think he he was still a young enough deer that you know it's all we and Clay have talked about. It's like the drought will affect older deer a little more than affect these young deer. These young deer were still put it on on drought years, and he was a young enough deer that uh, that he was able to to still grow. You know. With, with the conditions and uh just just we you know we had a couple archery hunters just before the hunt um you know we had the deer on camera all summer um just before the hunt clay was in there you know glassing and he he ran right into the deer and just got some phenomenal some phenomenal footage of him and uh his camera his get you know on his iphone his camera got put on slow motion mode so it was about a you know, 20 second clip <laughs> into about 15 minutes worth. Um, and so there the buck's name was born slow-mo. <laughs> um, that's why we caught, started calling him that. Um, 
and so you know we hunted that deer that year with uh with actually a husband and wife that drew 13e archery tags and uh you know we we found the deer right off and that the first day we bumped him um you know and and that's that's something i you know something i've learned on that deer on slow-mo is uh you know once we bumped him i was sure you know he'd gotten out of the country i was sure that deer that deer's gone you know um clay you know he sends me right back on the same knob i was the day before and you're crazy you know and you're uh, thinking there's no way we spooked that deer he's long gone out of here and clay saying get back up there he's right there yeah he's like what you know learn something here young pup (laughs) sent me back up on the hill and uh when you know it wasn't even shooting light yet and you know i had the buck feeding in the cliff rows and it was game on again um and you know what we bumped that buck hard three other times trying to get that deer killed and uh and one day he didn't he one day he didn't show up it's like okay well he's gone um we didn't see him that day well he the next morning i'm back on my knob and i picked the deer up and i've actually posted the video before on social media but the slow he had a he had an arrow sticking out of like his g2 so somewhere there that day one another archery hunter had gotten a chance and he planted one and that arrow was buried sticking clear out the back of his g2 on the one side what yeah it's just one of the craziest things i've so seen the in my broadhead is embedded in the antler he just hammered yes. the antler that's what yep. I, I would probably do that. Just shoot him straight in the antler because I'd be looking right at <laughs> yeah, his horns the whole right, time. Right. You could tell what the guy was looking at for sure. Yeah. Was <laughs> so you glass him up and he's got an, an arrow sticking out of his, out of his horn. Right. Yeah. It was still really early in the morning and it was, you know, <laughs> it wasn't quite light and something's not quite right. You know, something's off. And he finally steps out of the cliff rose into a clearing. And I said, he's got an arrow stuck in his horn, you know, <laughs> it was, sticking clear out the back i mean it was sticking out there a long ways um and again it's it was i posted on my social media it's kind of a neat clip um you know and so i was like holy cow this deer's been pushed all over and man wouldn't you know it later that afternoon that buck heads to the same hole we've had embedded in before and we get in there and it, we ended up we ended up with two missed shots that day dang it and the and the buck survived um and so and, you know, and tell the listeners, I know, I know you're going to tell it because you guys killed it, but what kind of friend, what are we talking? Like what kind of um, deer? Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's not a big wide, a wide looking deer. Um, he's a narrow deer and he, man, he's just, he had some giant inlines and the inlines, the giant inline on the one side is almost so hard to see. It lines up so perfectly with a G2, but he, you know, he had kickers coming off his G4. He had an inline in between his, his two and his points three. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Just lots of points. Mass, just incredible mass, you know, um, and just, just a, a beautiful buck. And we missed him, missed him that afternoon. So, you know, uh, never could turn him up during the rifle hunt. Fast forward through the year, get to 2019. Wait, and, when does the, when do the pictures do any pictures show up where he's got the antler or the um, arrow in his antler and then all so, of a sudden it's gone? So they don't. He, uh, it, you know, that happened right before he shed his velvet. And so okay. when he velvet off, he broke it off. Okay. Um, and then actually later that winter, he broke off the inline that the that the broadhead 
I think would have been embedded in. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we've been kind of scouring all over trying to find that shed because we want to see if there's a uh, rod in it, you know, mm-hmm. um, be a neat shed to have. Um, but anyways, you know, fast, fast forward to 2019, um, we get him, you know, we, we get him real early. I think it was about, it was like June 1st, but we, we knew it was him. He's hitting the water. Um, you, you know, you get to the point where you almost recognize the deer's face. He wasn't developed enough to recognize the, you know, his, his antlers and, but you could recognize his face. Um, and it kept on the deer, got lots of, lots of summer footage of him. Clay got some great, great footage. And, um, you know, we, we stayed on that deer. We actually had him came within inches again in the archery hunt of, of killing him. Um, shot hit just just a tad low in the shoulder and gave the buck a limp but nothing nothing that you know it wouldn't affect it wasn't going to kill him you know he, he had a little bit of a limp um and he made it you know made it through so get to the rifle hunt and uh you know clay had wayne johnson he, i think he's man i think was he i want to say 78 years old non-resident drew the tag and uh you know first thing 13a opening morning we we're able to pick up the buck and and wayne was able to kill him and just just a neat buck that had a lot of fun following and and learned so much from um you know i think he ended up scoring 234 right in that area and uh man just kind of just put an exclamation mark on that on that man's hunting career to be able to he's been waiting all his life for that tag to get that deer and he, he knows he may not have many deer hunts left. It was, man, it was, he was pretty emotional. It was, it was just neat. Just gives me cold chills thinking about it. That's awesome. So in 19, how did he compare to the drought year of 18? Was he actually bigger in 18? He, you know what? He put on just a little bit, not, not like, you know, we really thought he'd blow up and, and that's just where just every deer is different. You know, he was, I, I think he was at his, at his max, when we killed him, you know, he maybe he might've put on 10 inches, 10 inches is all. So between the, one of the worst years we've ever had in 2018 and one of the best years we've ever had in 2019, you know, there wasn't a significant difference in him. And so, uh, that was, that was kind of interesting to us. I love the story of slow-mo. I was curious what, how the slow-mo name came, but that's awesome. Clay probably was all pumped about his footage and then he watched it and it was in slow motion. Like, <laughs> Dang it! It's in slow yeah, right? Exactly, and uh, you know, thank goodness I, I I can figure out phones enough. I was able to get that at a slow motion mode and put it back to normal, so we were able to salvage the footage. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. What about some other deer? Yeah, um, you know, one that I had a lot of fun that really sticks out in my mind um, this year was uh, you know Shane Roten. Um, he had the statewide auction tag last year in 2019. Um, and man, uh, you know, Jay, just the work, the work that goes into, in a, a tag like that and the, uh, the sleepless nights and, you know, uh, just, just running hard, trying to do, trying to do the tag justice and, and, and do a good job. Um, man, that, you know, that really set, set the tone, um, I mean, we're just, you know, we're just with our scouting, you know, it really came into, uh, came into play there. Um, we, there was a few other deers, you know, and that's, that's what happens with these tags. There's a few other deer that 
we kind of had our eyes on. We we're hoping for a whack at, but uh, unfortunately, you know, they, a couple of these deer were killed before we were able to hunt because, you know, from 2018, those auction tag holders had chosen wisely not to use their tag that year. And it carries over into the next year, into 2019. So and basically go- they're able to go to the the 14th of August, which allows them to go into the 19, which gets out of the drought year of 18 and gets them into new growth. And so what you're saying is you had your eye on a couple deer and they got harvested before your tag started April or August 15th. Yes, exactly. Yep, exactly. So then, so then from there, you know, we, you, you kind of, you know, we know, we know the drill and kind of know what, what was going to happen. So you're, you're prepared for that. Um, and, uh, you know, we just kept digging and kept digging and, uh, and interestingly enough, uh, Clay was, Clay was, you know, on an antelope hunt, guiding an antelope hunter that are on 13B and, uh, man, they're raised, they glassed up an antelope or racing up to a knob to, uh, you know, get on a high point to, to shoot, shoot that antelope. And on the way up that knob, he bumped a buck and, uh, never did get a look at the buck it peeled off and got around and he, you know he, ra- he ran over tried to get a look never did and that's that's where it just comes back to clay's uncanny ability to, you know that for a week that deer bothered him you know that that he didn't get he didn't get a look and what could that have been you know and and uh so he was headed out one day to to uh check cows and and uh you know after the job was done he uh, got back in there, glassing around, and picks up this buck. And uh, man, just what a deer! It's you know, and uh, it was a deer we ended up killing. He's just giant. He's eleven by I think he's eleven by twelve. Um, you know, one side's like a hundred and thirty-three and a half inch horn. The other side's a hundred and ten. Um, and he was he's a, a 270 deer he's 270 and eighth on on the score um and so i was actually in at work and clay phoned me to, hey i i found this buck let's go um so i i so raced got from work sick all of a sudden and yeah exactly and called in sick yeah exactly yep i got uh i need a mental health day yeah. you know um so i you know as soon as work was over that day i raced down that night got there in the wee hours of the morning um as shane was on his way there as well and man he, he did an incredible job he was down on another hunt and was able to to drive all night and uh find a way to get there to us that morning um and we rolled in that morning and right at first light you know i sat down and picked up the buck under a tree um and it was just you know just a neat experience and something i've always dreamed of to be able to uh help and watch clay and clay and shane work their way in on that deer and, and get set up and just shane just made an absolutely incredible shot and just a world-class buck you know was that a buck that had kind of slipped through the the cracks if you will and in, in the radar of the trail cameras yes exactly yep he was um and that's that's what happens with some of these deer you know we call them we call them pond drinkers um and they drink on these big dirt tanks. They're, they're hard to get on camera. Um, and this is a, a great example of it. This is, a, you know, a buck that 
you know, he wasn't found with a camera and was just found kind of the good old fashioned way and, and got glass on him and just, man, sure glad we did. Clay did, Clay did an incredible job getting in and just having that intuition that, that he needed to get his butt back in there, you know? Yeah. Knew that he had seen something. He just, it was eating at him to go back in there and yep. check it. Yep. And that's, and you know, he's, he just was relentless, you know, he, he let it bite at him till he, till he did it. And sure glad he did. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, that was, that was one of the, one of the neat hunts I got to go on as long was, uh, with Cliff Finlay, um, his buck, he was a buck, you know, I kind of talked about me and Clay have these little competi- competitions. I set out on one side of the unit and he was headed to the other on our, on our camera run. And, and I told him, I'm going to come back with a, with footage of a bigger deer than you. He said, game on. That <laughs> <laughs> I remember calling him that morning on the radio and said, I think I got you beat. I just filmed like a, man, he's like a 220 buck, you know, just a, just a big old deer. Um, and, uh, and so I, you know, I radio him and he says, yeah, I don't think so. You know, I was like, <laughs> okay, whatever. And, uh, you know, get done with cameras, meet back at the house and get there and, he pulls out his phone and shows me the footage and I swallowed my pride in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he had filmed found cliffs, you know, what eventually ended up being the buck that cliff killed, um, buck we called helper, uh, cliff or clay had filmed him that morning and he was, you know, quite underground still. Um, I think he's posted some video and he'll post some more, um, of the buck quite underground, but you could just see he was just going to be truly remarkable. Um, and, uh, you know, interesting thing on that buck is he disappeared on us for, for about a month after Clay had filmed him that day. You know, I was so mad that he had filmed and I hadn't. So I was on my way out there to film him and I, and man, I searched for a month and we could not turn the buck up and, um, you know, the ponds, the ponds were getting low and, uh, man, we just, we couldn't, couldn't get him on camera. Um, you know, and it starts to sink in, oh, did a lion get him? Was he sick? You know, and just all these worries going through your head. And he's just such a big, big, beautiful buck. Um, and, uh, Cliff Finley, he was lucky enough, lucky enough to win the super raffle tag. Um, last year he, uh, you know, he rolled out there opening day and, and we set out with a, and that, and that's the thing, Jay, you know, something I'd like to say is you just have a great team of guys, unselfish guys, no, there's no egos. There's no just guys that love to put their hands on giant deer. And, and that's what it takes to kill, to kill these deer is just, it's a, it's truly a team effort. Um, and we, we're blessed with some, some great guys. Um, and the, my little brother, um, Pace and my other brother Tavin were actually up on a knob and picked up the buck and just affirmed that he was still alive. And, you know, I'll never forget the call coming over the radio, just that, that pressure melted off you. Oh, you know, he's, he's, he's still, still here. Alive. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, like a uh, 260 something buck, wasn't it? Yeah. He was, he's 258. Um, and again, he had, it was interesting, just like Shane's buck. He had one side that was just giant. Um, and one side, it was like a four point side and that four point side, I think was like 102 inches. And then the other side, I think was like 134 and a half. He's 35 inches wide, um, 54 inches of mass. Just, a just the, uh. Giant looking deer. I mean, just a buck you dream about, you know, what you go to the strip for. And uh Payson picked him up and the buck fed over and it, it was it got hot. You know, this is 
August 15th. It's, it's pushing a hundred degrees and, uh, man, we just kept dogging all day, kept after it bouncing from ridge to ridge. And, uh, you know, Clay again told me, he said, Hey, go work this ridge. Um, I think you'll be able to look into there. So, uh, so I got work on that ridge and, uh, you know, I look down below me and there's, I see a deer standing there down at the bottom of the draw and, uh, you know, I sit down, put the 15s on him. And, and he, at this point he's probably only 300 yards away and it, it wasn't him, but it's a buck with him. And I was looking at that buck and all of a sudden I just catch a, a glimpse and some movement in my glass. And there was his giant, his giant side moving and he was bedded under that tree, um, and so I called Clay. And you were say, just you know, freaking. Yeah. Just, you know, it, and it was, you know, time, it was just about dark. It was in the evening. Um, you know, d- dark was setting in. I said, Clay, you've, you got to get to me, you know, you got to get to me. So they, him and Cliff and man hammer, they did an incredible job. Just, just getting to me and racing there before dark. And, uh, Cliff just, you know, put a bullet in him and what a just ended such a special hunt on a special deer. And, just a deer, another deer, you, again, just teach you persistence, you know, um, maybe younger in my career before I met Clay and have learned what I learned. I, I maybe would have moved on, thought, ah, that deer's gone. Um, you know, Clay, nah, Clay, nah, he's right here. He's right here. We got to move just a little bit, move just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we made that one little movement and that day, you know, we found the deer. And so just, just having that, that knowledge that he's built over years is, is what it was able to put us in the right position and we were able to bless to harvest such a such a beautiful deer so within a couple months you'd had your hands on a 270 and a two two sixty, two fifty eight. 258 yeah. yeah last year was last year will be a very very hard year to beat yep that was you know 2019 a buck that was 230 and then yep. the other buck in 13b of um randy perkins that was a giant Yep, I was able to guide Randy Perkins at 13B. I was lucky enough to have him as my client, and we were able to kill a buck we called Hollywood, one that we actually, interesting enough, Jay, is we found Hollywood that while we were looking for Cliff's buck um, living in the same general area and, uh, you know, spending all that time trying to find that deer. We located this other deer, and um, again, on that buck, we hunted him for six days, and we didn't even, we hunted six days without seeing a deer that even, we even rose, the, you know, put the rifle on, and finally on that on that sixth day, um, we caught the, you know, the break we needed, and finally got into the deer, and he had moved on it just a little bit. And we're able. He actually ended up killing the deer at like sixty yards. We butt got bumped and bedded up in a hole with lots of other guide pressure, um, and we were able to have guys in the right spot again. Just great shout out to our spotters and. Just guys that that knew where to be and put glass on the buck and were able to work us in there and that's you know that's what kills these deer. Just and he was a you know he's a two thirty buck, just a beautiful deer. In lines off everything. What are some of the things that you've really learned about big deer and hunting deer that maybe you could pass on to the people listening? Yeah, um, you know, I think one of the biggest ones, like I just talked about, persistence. There's a lot of these deer, I mean, you know, it's not all just grip and grin, holding the buck, you know, it's a lot of these deer we're following year after year after year, trying to, uh, to make it happen. And, and finally it happens because, you know, we don't give up on that deer. Oh, that deer's unkillable. He's, 
you get just persistence keeping after that deer uh you know and along with that is um you know like a lot of people probably are growing up you know if you go to the deepest darkest canyon thickest spot there'll be a big buck there and, and sometimes that's true but what i found jay you know and and learn from clay is they they are where they are and clay always claims they are you know they they live where their mother lived where their mother took them you know that's what their mother did so so that's where they are and it's just like you know shane's buck's a good example um of a giant buck that that's in the last place you expect in the middle of antelope country and uh a buck that's that's slipped through under your nose and and uh and so you know i've learned that deer can they really they literally can be anywhere um, and so it doesn't surprise me to see deer now in, in deep country or, you know, in burrow country. They are an amazing animal for sure. Um, what about behavior as far as deer moving? I'm sure that's made you pull your hair out. Uh, yeah. you know, deer that you, you talked about deer up on a in the summer and, you know, moving 25 miles. Um, yep. how do you kind of judge what deer is going to move? and talk about you know some of that some of that movement either from summer country or rutting or what whatever may make a move yeah um and you know we we've had that um i've I've seen both where and you know generally with a a, a roll of thumb um the older a deer gets his his uh home range shrinks you know i've heard uh greg krogh and clay talk about that um and, and and some but that's not always the case um, and that's what's so hard is I really don't think there's there's a science to it. That deer does does what he does. Um, for example, you know we we hunted slow mo. Slow mo. He grew he grew his velvet there. We hunted him in the archery hunt. We we chased him around in between the hunts, filming him. We killed him the same place we had just missed him in the archery hunt. He shed his horns there. He was or you know his antlers. He shed them there. He's there all year long. Um, and then we have another, you know, one deer that we killed this year, Jim Cass, um, killed with clay, uh, which isn't typical for the strip, but that deer moved like, I want to say like 28 miles, um, off of one piece of the unit into the other, which is really, you know, and that's, what's neat about cameras. And, and, uh, and that's actually a deer we found, found just glassing and in our summer scouting is is being able to track that and uh you know the deer moved so far we didn't first realize that it was the deer we'd filmed in august in the summer and then when we killed him and it was actually about a week before we before we realized hey that's that deer you took those live pictures of you know um and so you know behavior a deer are just every deer is different just they're more like they're more like us than we think they are um where their environment, the environment that they live in, the habitat they live in affects what they do and that, that affects them for the rest of their life um, on, on habits they have and what they do and, and why that they move. You know, one example is that the buck we call Traveler, we killed with the raffle tag in 2017. Um, he's like 259, 40 wide, just a giant deer. That deer, you know, um, he would he would summer up on 13a and then um and later in the year he would drop off down into 13b out in the middle of 13b some 15 miles or so um and when we were hunting that buck uh 
when we were hunting that buck in 2017, you know, before, before he shed his velvet, uh, that buck, we had him in a hole and he bumped and busted and it was turned into an all day tracking event. And Clay followed that buck with Roy for, I think they went 11 and a half miles that day tracking this deer. And man, this deer, he was just, it was so neat to watch. He would, he would come, you know, he'd go through the trees. He'd, he'd just keep going the way he's going. Then he'd hit a flat and he'd dart, you know, as soon as it's like, as soon, he knew as soon as it got hard to, to see his track, he would dart when he got into a flat that was a little more full of vegetation, harder to follow the track. He would dart left or right. Um, and then there was, there was a couple times he came up to a tree or to a, to a cliff rose and, and he literally would run around it and run, you know, backtrack, run right back on his track to a flat and then veer. Wow. Um, and it was just, that's an area that has a lot of lions, um, in it. And the deer was a nine and a half year old deer. Um, and I think, you know, that deer had been chased by lions so so much in his life and uh, two he'd been hunted by some of the best mule deer hunters out there you know after this buck he had just he had learned what he had to do to survive and uh it was just neat to see something that deer would do compared to maybe a younger deer that we've killed that hasn't had as much pressure on him he lives in an area that's not as habitated by uh by lions and uh you know he's he's not quite as careful about what he does where this deer where he's older and lived in an area full of lions. He he was very mindful of everything he was doing. It was really neat to watch. Yeah, incredible stories. You've gotten a lifetime education in a handful of years, and I can't wait to see how the next twenty or twenty-five years goes for you there on the Arizona Strip. Um, just the experience that you've gained already is is uh, incredible, and to hear the passion you have for deer, it's just all it's awesome to have you on as a guest. And I know. Um, your team there, Clay, and your team, uh, you guys are, uh, you know, on the on the forefront of another great year, and I look forward to seeing the, you know, the stories and hearing the stories and, and uh, seeing it all unfold. And, um, Parker, I just appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing with us. Um, I do want to give you a chance. What's the best way for people to follow you guys get a hold of you if they want to talk uh, draw strategy or anything yeah you bet um you know i'm i'm on instagram it's parker underscore fells um you can shoot me a message there anytime as well as you know my phone number is 435-421-9463 um you know i uh i'd love to talk to anybody that wants to talk big deer is interested in the strip as well um there's Clay Bundy Outfitters on Instagram. Um, you can reach out to us there, Clay there. Um, you know, make sure to stay up on, on the social media there. And Clay's number is also 435-680-2991. Um, he's out a lot, um, like I said. So if something happens and, it, you know, goes to his voicemail, leave him a message. He's really good at, really good at getting back to voicemails. He's had a lot of practice at that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before I let you go, let's talk real fast. Uh, sheep uh, up up in your units there, thirteen A, thirteen B. Why don't you go through them a little bit? Talk about them. Yeah, uh, you know, thirteen thirteen B, thirteen B North here in the you know the Virgin River Gorge. Um, I've been you know blessed and lucky enough to spend quite a bit of time in there. Um, we we took. Uh, Daryl Bingham last year in there. He killed a beautiful ram. 
you know, third, you know, being able to watch and, and listen and hear from Clay, it, it, the 13B North is down um, in quality from what it has been in years past. Um, and the reason being, we've talked, I've talked with Clay about this is those, de- uh, those sheep, they, you know, they're kind of border hoppers there. Um, the, the Utah borders there on the Pine Valley. And some of those, a lot of those sheep are back and forth on that side. And so they, they kind of get whacked twice. Um, but, but the, it is a place and Jay, you've spent some time in there. It's a place that's, that's rugged enough and, uh, it, it's tough enough that it, it can it can hold a, a giant ram. It can hold a big ram that's that's maybe been passed over, um, and that that definitely can be the case. And you'll, I mean, you know, Alicia Hatch she killed her her great ram in there the year before last. Um, uh, so it, it can still produce. And, and t- your friend Tony Tony killed an incredible, just a beautiful ram in there with his client as well. Um, it, it's a unit that. Uh, that you you can go in and, and still kill you know with you know mid 160s 170 ram that that that's a realistic goal i mean it, it's tough but i think i think there's some rams that get missed over in there um and then move on to uh to 13b south um i've hunted that unit uh with hudson bundy uh, one of our great guides talon bundy his son had the tag uh, killed a killed a great ram, just a young young kid. Uh, killed a great ram, and then Clay actually had that tag, and he's always wanted to hunt that place. As his dad grew up hunting it, and went down and killed his ram in there. It's it is a very you know I tease Clay when he's going down there, so oh, you're going alone then. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a it's a very remote unit. Um, it's it's kind of one big long face stretch there that you're looking for those sheep on, but. Uh, but it, it, it again this year, you know this year Clay went down there. I actually wasn't there, but they went down and he killed he killed a great ram. It had 16 inch bases, which is kind of an anomaly for the unit. Um, I think when Clay scored it, he got I think 166. Game and Fish had 165, 164 somewhere right there. Um, just a which is an incredible ram for the unit. Um, but it is a one tag unit, so a lot like uh, you know I. Well, love to listen to the post podcast with you and Brian. That's not a unit that non-residents want to look at. It's yeah. a unit, a resident unit only. Um, but, but again, there is possibilities for big, for a big ram to poke into there that as it shares the border with Nevada down near Lake Mead. Um, and then, you know, 13A, uh, 13A's, uh, you got 13A there where, where it, 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 borders with the zion and the zion here in utah you know is is has been known as kind of held as as the better sheep unit in the state um they have had a little die off there with with disease not too much die off but they have had disease where the sheep has struggled but i think they've handled it quite well um but the, it has affected that but some of those those zion sheep move into uh into 13a there where you can where you can hunt those some of those bigger rams that move into Arizona. Um, and that, that's a, that's a great hunt. I would, that's, that's a hunt. I would definitely have my eye on if, you know, if you're not waiting for the 22s and 24s your whole life that Jay's lucky enough to have it hunt every year. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Jealous of you there. That's yeah, very blessed to get to do that. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure well awesome man um thanks so much for coming on i'll uh put up the uh links to get a hold of you guys in the show notes and uh look forward to seeing uh, your progress on social media through the summer and uh with with uh the draw the application and then the draw you know a month or so later finding out when who drew what it's going to be exciting so uh keep after it and um i know this is you know you're going into your funnest time of the year with the scouting season so enjoy it and uh tell Colette hello and uh i'll see you down the road okay Sounds great, my friend. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. All right, buddy. God bless. Take care. Hey, you as well. Bye.